Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Okay, 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16. This is a very intriguing passage tonight. We are going to look at what happened to Saul. Um, As David is anointed, Saul not only has the Lord depart from him, but something tragic happens to Saul. And it's one of these uh, Bible passages that is intrigued and uh, caused many who look at the Bible, including scholars and so forth, to scratch their heads and say, well, what, what is really going on here? One thing that we do, do know that is going on is that there's a transfer of divine favor. Um, the man that the people asked for gave them what should be expected when people are making the decisions, and it's based upon just human will, and we want to be like everybody else. And Saul proved to be a failure because he did not do things God's way. When you break life down, there are really only two power sources that you can depend upon, two worldviews, if you will. One is going to be from the kingdom of God, and one is going to become is going to come from the kingdom of Satan. Now you might say, ah, that's nonsense. Humanism is the way to go. Evolutionary theory. But that simply is the deification of man. And that's really the oldest lie in the book when Satan said, did God really say that if you eat of that tree, you'll die? Oh, he didn't say that. You'll be as gods. And so the oldest lie in the book is the deification of man. And that's where we've headed in our culture. What really matters to at least a good majority of people, at least it seems to be the case that What they want is uppermost, and God's ways are put to the side. What we often don't think about when someone shuns the ways of God is the repercussions of that decision. Maybe you think about it. Uh, Maybe we don't think about it enough, but the repercussions are really scary because there's really only two paths to follow, and if you don't follow God's way, you end up following The spirit of the age, the drummer who is beating the drum, is ultimately Satan. He is the prince of the power of the air. He is the one who is now working in the sons of disobedience. And Saul was a good example of that kind of person. Uh, He didn't want to do it God's way. He did some things right, but in the end, the Lord departed from him and That's just a tragic thing. We'll dig that out, what that means theologically. What does it mean to a person who's a New Testament Christian and all of that? Lots of questions, but I think we're going to find some good answers. So let's pray. Father, um, as we get into your word now, we just pray that as we look at Saul and David, quite a contrast, uh, a man after your own heart and a man who really sought his own heart, his own ways. It's such a dangerous thing for us, Lord, because we can be so enamored by uh, our own will, our own heart, the spirit of the age. Um, it's all around us, Lord. It, it beats at our door. Uh, we, we wrestle uh, with the flesh. We wrestle with the enemy. We wrestle with so many different things that come our way. In the end, Lord, we want to be submitted to your majesty and your power. And 
I think for those who were in here during the time of worship, there is nothing sweeter than knowing you. There's nothing better than your loving kindness. It's better than life itself. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And so, Lord, sometimes we have to have that proven to us over and over again, but um, tonight we just want to meet you afresh in this place, and we also, Lord, want to carry forward what you would say to us tonight, that you'd help us to make the application that is appropriate to where we are tonight. So we ask for your help, we ask for your guidance, we ask for open hearts to respond to your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. 1 Samuel 16, 13. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, that's David, in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David, which many scholars believe David's name means beloved, from that day forward. I want you to mark in your Bible... The Spirit of the Lord came upon David mightily, with, mark this phrase, from that day forward. That would seem to indicate that the Spirit's presence in David's life was permanent. Um, unlike a lot of people in the Old Testament, it seems like when you do a little survey of the work of the Spirit in the Old Testament, his uh, presence in people's lives seems to be somewhat um, he will come upon a person, but it's not necessarily permanent. It seems to be more task-oriented. And so one, one way to think about this theologically so that you don't get confused and maybe push things outside of uh, where they need to be is that the Spirit's presence in the Old Testament does not seem to be for regeneration purposes. Let me explain. It seems when the Spirit comes upon somebody in the Old Testament, it is not to be born again per se, but it is more for empowering for a task that is at hand. We did a little survey when we met some weeks ago, and I showed you many verses, especially in the book of Judges, where the Spirit of God would come upon a person specifically for something like a war situation, and they would have the power of God to carry out a task. Some of you have studied this passage and you're thinking with me, no, there was another man who had this tragic uh, situation happen to him. His name was Samson. Samson had the Spirit of the Lord rush upon him in several instances. I'll give you just a a quick um, survey of those in the book of Judges. Judges 13.25 says, The Spirit of the Lord began to stir Samson. Judges 14, 5, and 6 says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. I'm just going to give you little parts of it. Judges 14, 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. And Judges 15, 14 says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. And in each case, he's doing something with his strength. He's breaking ropes. He's winning battles and that kind of thing. But in Judges 16.20, after he finally reveals the secret of his strength to Delilah, and she doesn't make any bones about it, she tells him on several occasions, 
I want, I want to know the secret so I can let the Philistines basically have their way with you. And finally, she beats on him day after day after day after day. She was driving him nuts. In fact, Judges 16, 16 says, it came about when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him, his soul was annoyed to death. What a great biblical phrase. I would imagine that moms and dads may have spoken that to their children at some point. You have annoyed my soul to death. You may not have even known it in the moment that you were quoting a Bible verse. But you were. Praise God. You have annoyed me to death. And so he shares the secret of his strength and he's laying on her knees and she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. This is Judges 16, 20. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as, as uh, at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. It's interesting because in the cases when you see the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, it would be easy to somehow conclude that that's just a power source, but indeed the Spirit of the Lord is the Lord. And so when the Lord rushed upon him, it was really God's presence. And if you were with us Sunday, I was telling you that the armor of God is really the presence of God in your life, empowering you, giving you what you need in the moment, and he will do that Let me take a moment for the positive. If you rely upon the Spirit of the Lord, He will give you what you need in the moment to uh, carry out a task that may seem bigger than you. And that's the awesome thing about the power of God. David, who would experience Saul's uh, crazy behavior after the Spirit of God had departed from Saul, And we'll look at another spirit came to Saul, and we'll talk about that in a second. David, after he made his huge blunder with Bathsheba, wrote Psalm 51. And he wrote, this is verses 10 through 12. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from thy presence, remember, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. And I think that part of David's motivation in writing Psalm 51 is he saw what happened to another man where the spirit of God departed from him. And Saul kind of went crazy. His behavior became erratic. He did... uh, Dumb things, including trying to kill David on several occasions. And David saw that firsthand. David ministered to Saul in the king's court while Saul was terrorized by another spirit because the spirit of the Lord had left him. And David saw that firsthand. And when David blew it and he realized he had sinned against God in Psalm 51, he said, Lord, If I could paraphrase, don't do to me what you did to Saul. 
But why I had you underline the verse is that David, I think, is a different kind of case, a different kind of king. Would you notice? 1 Samuel sixteen thirteen, The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. The implication would be, to me, that the Spirit never left him. And he is a type and shadow of the greater king, Jesus Christ, at his baptism. John says, I saw the Spirit of God light and remain upon him. And he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus went about doing good. So, quite a contrast. The Spirit of the living God rushed upon David. This what seems to be a little lad at this time, not even considered worthy to to be considered for the kingship, but from that day forward, he has the Spirit of God mightily upon him. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah, but the camera shifts to Gibeah where Saul is, and it says these tragic words, now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And it doesn't stop there. An evil spirit, here's the, uh, the difficult one, from the Lord, terrorized him. If you have an NIV, it says the spirit, evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. The word in Hebrew has the idea of evil, bad, uh, something not pleasant happening to you. There's a little debate about the Hebrew language here, whether it is a demonic spirit or whether this is a just a normal angel who's gone with a job to inflict discipline and punishment upon Saul. In the end, I don't know if it really matters either or, but let me just give you a little bit more on this. So you might ask the question, well, how could it be that an evil spirit, quote unquote, from the Lord terrorized Saul? Well, you ought not be surprised because all you have to do is think a little bit and you know, for example, that in God's sovereignty, he is in control of every spirit. Every spirit is on a leash, ultimately owned by the sovereignty of God. And so even in Job's case, have you considered my servant Job? Well, you know what happened. Well, Satan says, well, you know, he does what he does because you bless him and so forth. Well, God allowed a terrible thing to happen. And if you think about it, it was from the ultimate evil spirit, and yet God was sovereignly over the situation. Now, when you read the whole book, you realize that God had a master plan, and everybody who's ever read the book of Job can see hope in the book of Job, no matter what you go through in life. But we do know that God says you can have your way with him. You just can't touch his life. But children died and property and Job had boils from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. And he's that sad figure sitting there scraping the pus out of the boils, sitting in ashes and his friends come up to him and they can't even talk to him. There's no words. He's just been ravaged. And God has allowed Satan to get at him. In Luke, Jesus says, uh, Peter, Satan has been asking for permission. 
He's been asking for you by name for permission to sift you as wheat. Do you hear those words? He's been asking for permission, which is really good news for the Christian because Satan and his minions have to have permission, apparently, to do what they do. And I know this is a theological wrestling point, but this is what the Bible tells us. Take hope in God's sovereignty because Jesus tells Peter, I have prayed for you and after you have turned, strengthen your brethren. So if you're Peter, you're like, Lord, did you really have to tell me that, you know, things behind the veil, could you keep them secret? I didn't want to know. He's been asking for me by name. But we do know that even when Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die, they're going to crucify me, mock me, spit upon me, kill me, I'll rise on the third day. It was Peter who said, Lord, far be it from you that this would ever happen. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. We know that, for example, Judas Iscariot, at the Last Supper, at the Passover meal, the Bible tells us was possessed by Satan, and Jesus turned to him and said, what you do, do quickly. We know that, for example, uh, in the sin of Ananias and Sapphira, holding back the actual uh, amount of money that they got for the land, Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied to man, you have lied to God. And what happened was a pretty radical judgment on Ananias and then on his wife, Sapphira. So you can see that in the progress of the church, in the unfolding of the Old Testament, um, Satan is quite active. Um, and God, of course, has him on uh, a leash. But tragically, the words come to us in the Bible, and it is that the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil or distressing, harmful ESV spirit, distressing New King James uh, spirit came from the Lord and terrorized or tormented him. I'm sure you've probably run into some people before, and uh, I know that there's a lot of people who search for medical explanations for many things in life, but there's some people you may have come across before and you just go, wow, that doesn't seem like a medical problem. And while it's true that there are a lot of chemical imbalances and things that happen to people, not everything is a medical issue. And in the case of Saul, he was being terrorized by this spirit. Now, of course, the question that comes to mind for all of us is, if indeed the spirit uh, harming or terrorizing or, or doing whatever it was doing to Saul was from God, the next logical question is, why? Why, Lord, would you allow a spirit to harass this man in this way? What was your purpose behind this? And I can only conjecture. I can tell you this, that it had to be disciplinary. Uh, discipline uh, 
when it comes into the life of somebody, it's not only a spanking just to spank somebody, right? What, what's the root idea of discipline? It's a shaping idea. Do you remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when Paul talked about something that had happened to him? If you go, go, all, go all the way over there, 2 Corinthians 12, I'll show you a case study where something is allowed to happen, in Paul's case, for strengthening purposes, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, look with me at verse 7. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Paul writes, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason to keep me from exalting myself, 2 Corinthians 12, 7, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. He repeats the reason, to keep me from exalting myself. Now, if you study the Bible for any time at all, you know there's all kinds of conjecture on what the thorn was. Some, Probably the majority of scholars say it was a physical malady. There's evidence that Paul had bad eyesight. There's... Uh, uh, some other uh, conjecture in terms of what physical ailment it may have been. Even I've re- even heard malaria and that kind of thing. But would you notice in the text, <clears throat> Paul says, it was a messenger of who? It's interesting here. The word messenger in Greek is angelos, where we get the word angel. Now, I don't know for sure if the messenger was an angel of Satan or some sort of demonic influence, but the language taken at face value is angelos for angel or messenger. That's why it's translated that way in your Bible. And Paul says that he came to buffet me. Sometimes I'm at the pulpit. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. And there's a fly buzzing around my head. It's happened on several Sundays. It only seems to be right here at the pulpit. And sometimes I've said it out loud, this is a messenger of Satan come to buffet me. That's a joke. It's just a fly. (laughs) But, But here's the point. Paul said God had allowed this because in verse 8, he entreated the Lord three times that it might depart from him. I want whatever this thing is, if it is correct to say it is some sort of presence or something that bothered Paul, he entreated the Lord three times that it might, notice, depart from him or from me. And the Lord's response was, my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness or my power is perfected in weakness And Paul says, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Could it be that part of the reason that God allowed this to occur was so that Saul might be humbled and learn to truly rely upon God? I'm not going to be dogmatic on it, but I would say that since God is good and he always has a reason behind what he does, I believe that this is a, a good possibility. Let's go back to 1 Samuel. 
1 Samuel. So what happens is the people in the king's court recognize that something bad's happening to Saul. 1 Samuel 16. I don't know exactly how it manifested itself at all times, but I'll show you some things that happened later. But Saul's servants said, uh, then said to him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God is terrorizing you. How do they know that? I don't know for sure. But they recognized that something had happened, something had changed in Saul. Hey, this is Pastor Michael. Thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio today. Excited that you've joined us. Tell a friend about the program you're hearing here. And please keep us in prayer. We have some uh, exciting open doors for new radio stations. We have some exciting opportunities for some new time slots. And we could really use your prayer and your support. If you can give to the ongoing ministry of Living Truth Radio, we'd deeply appreciate it. It takes funds to be on the radio, and we're not a huge congregation, and we appreciate the support that we get from radio listeners. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. If you're anywhere near the Inland Empire and you don't have a home fellowship, you're not connected with a local church, we'd love to invite you to Living Truth Christian Fellowship. The radio ministry that you hear Monday through Friday on your station or on the weekend is really just an extension of the normal pulpit ministry in the life of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. And for those of you who are out of state or out of our area, we consider you family members as well. Uh, Living Truth certainly doesn't replace your local church, but we know you listen and we know you're praying for us and we appreciate it. Thank you for the support that you give to us, the encouragement, the emails that you send. We, we deeply appreciate it. And we know that even when you don't send an email, that you are still part of what's going on and part of the listening family. And we, we appreciate you and we look forward to interacting with you again. If we can be of any help to you, send us an email or a message through the website, livingtruthcorona.org, or you can call us Monday through Friday. We're here 9 to 5 Pacific Time at... 951-735-2856. God bless you. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch up to you next time. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's Word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible. And we have an opportunity to expand this radio program, and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Hey, I want to invite you to visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org to get more familiar with our church fellowship. If you live in the Inland Empire and don't have a church home, come and worship with us. We have a wonderful church family that meets here in the city of Corona. Our service times are 9th and 11.15 a.m. You can get more information about that at the website. That's livingtruthcorona.org. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. 
You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.